What up, podcast? This is Jeep and Bubba, and welcome to the Jeep and Bubba podcast. Um, so before we get started, uh, if you're following along in the podcast series um, and you're following along in order, you will have noticed that, um, well, episode 36 just got relisted. And what happened was somehow the audio from episode 37 was doubled on episode 36, and my friend Brandon Cordell, who owns a fine Cherokee, uh, told me about it, and so it got relisted with the correct audio. So I hope you enjoy that episode, and you may also notice that this is the third podcast to come out within like a seven-day period, and the reason for that is I'm just trying to help you guys as you're traveling this holiday season. Um, I know that there's a lot of people driving, and a lot of people also used used to listen to the podcast as they commuted, but more people are working from home, but they're going to be doing a little bit of driving maybe potentially this holiday season, and I'm just trying to keep you awake, so uh, if you're getting a little sleepy, wake up. Let's talk off-roading in Jeeps. Now, I kind of do this thing where I find a topic or a style of topic or um, I get into like a little groove with certain topics. And I'd like to go through a three-part series on patience. Now, that has nothing to do with off-roading and Jeeps and any of that kind of stuff, but actually... It, it does. It does have a lot to do with it. Um, but it isn't directly having to do with it. So we just went through, if we back up, we did an interview series. We did uh, a series, um, what I called the heady series, where we got into more like heartfelt things and uh, deeper discussions. And uh, and I and I got some messages from people saying uh, uh, I was like, preaching Bubba or something like that. Uh, and they were good. They were, they, were, they were good compliments, and I appreciate that. Um, but I want to go through a three-part series on patience, and uh, they all have to do with different aspects of uh, basically aftermarket um, vehicle building, not necessarily Jeep-specific, um, but uh, it takes a little bit of patience if you're going to be building a project or, or some sort of vehicle or whatever. And, uh, anyways, life takes a lot of patience, especially now. Uh, There's a lot of uncertainties. And, um, and so, you know, life takes patience. We know this, but there is uh, a certain level of patience that's required if you're going to accomplish happiness and success the way I look at it in building your vehicle. So let's just jump right into it. Um, and today I want to talk about patience in your off-road rig build. Um, it's difficult and I'm not going to stand here or I'm actually sitting on a bar stool in my shop right now, leaning on a workbench. Um, but, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that I always had this, but I've learned it and now I've gotten so good at it that I'm almost a little bit too patient. Uh, and, and I'm reminded of it as I'm looking at my shop right now as a business, my shop right now as a business, I look at it in many ways. Like I looked at early days of me deciding to start new projects or new builds. I basically wanted to do everything there was to do to it in the beginning. Right. And, uh, when I opened the shop, I knew, um, 
I want to go to shows. I want to travel. I want to do lots of things uh, media-wise. I want to do videos. I want to do uh, as many events as I can. I want to see this. I want to see that. And I want to build cool project Jeeps for the shop and buy and through the shop. And uh, but, but at the same time, servicing local people's vehicles. At the same time, selling parts on the internet. Uh, same time, creating uh, local media and, and and contributing to the community. So, has any of that changed? No. But the level and the speed at which it, it's happening, you know, there's a lot of ambition that I have for the shop as far as, like, I would love to do a build or two. Well, I like to do six, probably six builds a year um, that are just, like, the stuff we want to build because uh, we get kind of burnt out sometimes on just, like, uh the monotony of some of the builds that we do. And we're only nine, ten months in, so I just don't want to just really get anybody burnt out. Um, so sometimes when we get to build the fun stuff and do it our way and, like, we don't have a customer standing over our shoulders or we're not afraid to, uh, not that we ever really are, but to just take a cutting tool to something and go wild. If we're ever not afraid, it's when, you know, I own the build and we just, and I say, okay, let's do it. Let's just, let's just cut it. We can always weld it. <laughs> I'm not worried about it. Um, so that's kind of, uh, that's kind of fun. Uh, that's probably going to get dropped down to like one or two a year, three. Um, there's just not a budget for it. There's certain things I'd like to do structurally at the shop, like, uh, uh, the floors. I would love to have the floors redone. Um, I'd love to have an alignment rack, a uh, laser alignment rack, even though the way we do the Jeep alignments is fine and it works and, it, um, and, uh, uh, we're, we're pretty dang good at it. Um, I would love to have a big laser alignment rack. I'd love to have more specialty tools for different jobs. Um, I'd love to have all new toolboxes, all new tools, and you know, you could just go on and on and on, more lighting, this, that, or the other, and uh, I'd love to have uh, a road force balancer, and, uh, but you know, these things will come as long as we put the work in, and I have to remind myself to be patient. Now, what does that have to do with Jeep building? Well, it started for me when I first got involved in um, off-road builds, uh, not, not, excuse me, let me go back, doing any kind of project. Um, you know, when I was in high school, I had a 1986 Chevrolet S10, and uh, it was my dad's truck, and uh, it had a, like, mint, like, flawless interior. It only had, like, 65,000 miles on it when I got it. This would be back in, like, 2005, and um, decided to do a, uh, a new paint job on it because the paint was pretty bad. It was silver, uh, and what happened was my dad uh this is going uh kind of in depth with the story but whatever we got time right if you're driving remember eyes on the road stay awake <laughs> um my dad bought a little house to flip and he bought a house and they fixed it up and he flipped it my grandpa is a real estate agent real estate broker been doing that for a long time so my grandpa sold the house for him instead of taking commission he gave the commission to me who was turning 16 at the time to buy his first vehicle which is super super generous um uh, that's not a common occurrence in my life to have anyone just hand me three thousand dollars in fact i think that's the only time that's ever happened uh except for maybe when i went to college uh, my mom helped me uh, with my second semester of college but besides that i think uh uh that's probably the only time that something like that's happened um i went to the back my mom is, is a real estate agent as well and um when we we've sold bought and sold houses she's 
just not taking a commission. But anyways, my grandfather, who didn't have to do this, gave me $3,000. And um, and with that money, I did a paint job on the vehicle. Uh, I did a nice set of just 16-inch wheels and some nice tires and, uh, and, and an audio system. And it went to Best Buy. You know, couldn't decide between Circuit City or Best Buy and what I wanted. And ended up with some you know, Pioneer head units, some kicker speakers, and... Um, it was clean. It was a nice vehicle, and um, but there was all sorts of things I wanted to do with it. And I would look at the LMC catalogs, and um, back then I had to be patient because I was poor. Uh, that, that was that was all there was to it. Like I just had to be patient. Um, and at times, what that led to, and and the point I'm going to get to in this whole podcast is, at times that. Uh, at times that led to me making some purchases on things that didn't really contribute to the overall build. For instance, um, I would have loved to lower the vehicle. And instead, what I would do is when I had a little bit of money, I'd go buy a new set of like floor mats or I would get the windows tinted or I would buy a new air freshener or add a 10 inch sub in the back. Now, all I had to do is save up five, six hundred bucks, put a Belltech lowering kit on it, would have been done. But I was always just spending what little checks I had on just little knick-knack stuff here and there, a new set of headlights. This is before the HID, so it had been like a new set of Salvanias, you know, or something like that. And uh, all I had to do was save up three or four paychecks, and I, I could have done what I wanted to do. Um, and, and I started back then, and I still do it uh, on my big builds um, I'll start a journal. I'll write down what are my goals and uh, what do I want it to look like. I'll um, sometimes I'll do it on my laptop so I can add pictures of other vehicles I've seen with it done, or I can add like the listings to the parts. Now I just write it down because I kind of have an idea what it looked like in my head. Um, and sometimes I just just keep it all in my brain. Um, but anyways, I'll do that so I can stay focused. Then flash forward to. Uh, um, a few years later, I had a two-wheel drive Cherokee. I knew I didn't really want to do anything with it off-roading uh, wise as far as looks. It was old and beat up, but it got me around. And then I bought a, a two-door Cherokee that uh, already had a lift on it. And we ended up doing some fenders on it uh, and some tires, but really realized I didn't have the money at the time to build it proper. And um, so... Decided on that one to sell it, and uh, for some reason, some guy hit me up and said, hey, I'll trade you a YJ for it. Uh, now that, you know, back then, was a that was a come up to go, like, Cherokees just weren't at the selling price they are now. Now, that two-door is probably worth, worth more than most YJs are, although I see YJs going for crazy money, too. Um, for the non-Jeep people, you know, square headlight. Uh, 80s, early 90s, late 80s, early 90s Wranglers for my early 90s two-door Cherokee. Um, yeah, that was a good trade. Uh, like now it may not be, but anyways, um, decided to take them up on the trade because my wife wanted the Wrangler and thought it'd be cool. So I had an idea for that Wrangler just keep it for a long time and i wanted to to go on adventures and go wheeling and it's really one of the first vehicles i mean i wheeled my two-door cherokee but um, i got stuck in it a couple times and i knew like it was pretty limited it was only on 32 inch tires it did have a uh uh 
some kind of locker in the rear. I think it was a uh, kind of like a limited slip. Um, I'm trying to think of what brand it is. Maybe like a um, not an Eaton. Oh, it had a Detroit locker. Why couldn't I think of that? It had a Detroit locker in the rear, um, which is a pretty good option. And I don't know, four inches of lift or something, some bushwhacker flares. Um, and it, it was a good, it rode good. Um, had a heating issue I could never, ever, hardly ever figure out. Um, and those were, had a terrible cooling system, the way they were designed in the early 90s, and they changed it in later editions. And, um, but anyways, I digress. Got that YJ, and I thought, I'm going to really start doing some off-roading in it. Um, and I really want to build it up, really want to make it nice. And I did not know... Um, really enough about Jeeps at the time, really didn't know enough about off-roading, uh, but I did a lot of research, and um, I, I would talk to people, I would read, I'd go to shows, and I would off-road, and um, even took it on Bell Mountain, which is now paved, but at the time was a really uh, tricky trail, um, especially for just a YJ on 33s, uh, not to mention it was a four-cylinder YJ with a five-speed and 410 gears. And, um, had a four inch lift, ended up Jeep beach was rolling around. I'd never been really wanted to go. And I just felt like it wasn't a good enough build. Uh, I just felt like it wasn't that cool, even though it got me around all the trails and, um, you know, just never really failed me. And I don't know of a time I ever really got it stuck or had to get pulled out. I don't think, I don't think it ever happened. Um, but I just felt like I needed to show off. I'd never been to Jeep Beach before, and I felt like I was going to get judged for uh, just not having um, a cool enough Jeep. So what 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 does anybody who doesn't have a huge budget do? Um, they find the biggest tires they can fit on it and afford, and that's what I did. So I bought 35s, uh, not knowing anything about re-gearing at the time or the fact that the four-cylinder motor had like 98 horsepower or any of that. Or what a Dana 35 was. And um, I cut the fenders with a, uh, uh, not a, it was like a three inch cutoff wheel, uh, air cutoff wheel. Um, and then I put on all the bolts on accessories I could find, like taillight covers, headlight covers, um, stickers. I had stickers from like every manufacturer on this thing. Um, I did some really shoddy exhaust work to it. Um, I mean, oh, we took a, this, this was kind of cool. We took some plastic ammo cans and, um, put some kicker, like waterproof speakers in them and, uh, put them in the back on like the tubs. I thought that was actually pretty cool. Um, but it cost all of like 60 bucks and, um, it got a lot of looks. People like that. Uh, and then they actually worked pretty good. We put polyfill in there. We did that one right. But still it was like all the cheapo stuff. Now with the amount of knowledge I have now would have probably kept the 33s. Spent the money on um, uh, gears, probably. Uh, Would have probably found a new rear end for it instead of that 35. Or done uh, some trusses on it. Would have thrown the track bars away right off the bat. Um, probably could use a good set of shocks. Uh, <laughs> um, probably kept the factory fenders. I mean, there's a lot of different things I would have probably done with it. And I wouldn't have really cared what other people thought about my vehicle, not to mention that, you know, adding the red D rings and adding the, the, the headlight until light covers and, uh, adding a CB intent on the back really didn't make it that much cooler. And it didn't add to the functionality of the Jeep 
It was a little bit of person personalization that came in from from my point. And one thing I learned when I was at G Beach, on top of that, was that the YJ was either uh, a very hated or uh, not looked upon as a uh, good wrangler, or it was loved. You know, I had as like a every but anybody who's ever owned a YJ will probably almost always love a YJ. Um, but if you know, then you know that the leaf spring setup is not comfortable and it, it, it just doesn't perform well off-road. And uh, Well, it does. It does perform well off-road, but it, it doesn't flex off-road. So, like, it's good at, like, hill climbs and uh, going through ruts and riding gravel roads. But as far as, like, doing rock crawling, um, not so hot. The, the four-cylinder, although reliable and peppy, um, has very little... Uh, top end speed, the Model 35 rear end was, you know, not very good, good or strong. Um, and so there's just like a lot of things you can poke holes in that Jeep. Although it's probably one of my, me and Nicole were talking about today, probably one of my favorite Jeep builds of all time. Um, and I ended up following that Jeep built with the JK. But here's the thing. One thing I've learned over time is accessorizing is a great thing to do. It's 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 a cool way to um, personalize your vehicle, put your touch on it. But I would always say save that money for the big stuff until you get the 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 vehicle built. You know, before you're out there uh, painting your diff covers or or you know putting color match stickers on a vehicle, maybe build it because none of that stuff looks cool when you're stuck in the mud. Like when you're sunk, um, if it doesn't ride good, it doesn't matter when it looks good, like if it doesn't perform. And so, uh, then this is just my two cents. I mean, other people may say, you know, well, I just drive on the road 90% of the time. I want it to look cool first and then we'll build it to go off-roading second. But, uh, and that's fine. I, that's totally fine. But I, the point I'm getting at is, uh, it happens a lot where I have customers who, uh, come to me about a vehicle build and um, it's typically the customer who just brings me parts instead of like buying the parts and me doing the labor they just bring me parts and a lot of times the parts are from amazon or ebay and they're usually e-auto grills or rough country and I, i'm not knocking these brands i'm not knocking these customers actually uh, i love you bring me whatever you want i don't care we'll knock it out we'll figure it out for you and i'll hear from them I just really want to do this, 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 and this for the most, uh, the cheapest way possible. It's never affordable, but <laughs> the cheapest way possible. And the only problem I have with that is it's not going to hold up in most cases. It's not, unless, here's where cheaper holds up. If you If it was cheaper because you built it yourself, probably going to hold up if you're pretty good at, at building bumpers or uh re-gearing your axles or whatever like well, okay it's probably cheaper or if it was cheaper because like you had a relationship with the company or or you got some sort of deal because of like a social media influence or maybe you work for um uh, a company and they give you a discount okay maybe it's gonna hold up. but in most cases if you're like well, what's the cheapest four by four i can buy um, or what's the, the best entry level Jeep that I can buy? And then what's, what's the cheapest mods I can do to it? Um, right off the bat or like I've got $5,000 and I want to buy the, the cheapest 
Jeep Cherokee I can buy or, or, or YJ or Wrangler I can buy. And then what's left with it, I'm going to try to put a lift kit on it, wheels and tires, a winch, a bumper, some D-rings. And what that turns into is the typical high school kids Cherokee or YJ. Again, not knocking on it. It's just we've all seen this before. And what that turns into is a Smitty Belt or a Rough Country or E-Auto Grills or just a no-name front bumper with real thick uh, Chinese powder coat and a Harbor Freight winch with steel cable and a bunch of accessories and every manufacturer sticker and, and this describes me and the YJ to a T so I can say this and not uh and, and be not pointing out anyone in particular um in fact I think my front bumper was was a homemade one on that YJ and uh it looked like it <laughs> it did have a steel hood s3 magazine sticker on it though so that made it cooler um and it turns into steel 15 or 16 inch wheels with uh, retread tires Although my YJ actually had red letter uh, general grabbers because they were the cheapest thing uh, I could buy at the time. And what I didn't realize about those grabbers is they didn't have siping. So they were terrible in the rain and terrible in the mud. But they were pretty good in rocks and stuff like that. And they looked cool. They had red letters on red Jeep. But um, it just turns into things getting focused on the right wrong points because you care so much about what people think about what you drive and you want it to look cool. But the fact of the matter is we all know what you spent on that stuff because we can get on eBay and Amazon too and it's not a complete cool build and you think you're going to go back later and change those components. What you end up doing is going back, uh, well, end up having to spend all the money keeping them running and you never do fix it. Again, I'm not trying to knock any brand or anybody's builds or whatever. I'm just pointing out something that... I wish I would have known when I was younger with my builds and earlier in my uh, just vehicle building stage that if I would have focused on the right things, then the performance of the vehicle uh, and the overall build quality and how it's perceived would actually be looked upon in much better esteem than if I just threw a bunch of cheap accessories on it or spent my money in the wrong places. I mean, this is a perfect example. I was talking about Brandon early in, in this conversation, but Brandon wanted to find a, a fairly low budget 4x4 and uh, and build it to go off-roading with us. Well, he made some smart decisions early on with the lift and what lifts we went with, and he made smart decisions, and we had like a used set of wheels and tires for sale, and uh, it actually now it performs well, and people really give him tons of compliments and something um that he doesn't have a ton of money tied him into but there were smart decisions for the build and he's also saving to do other things and you know one of the things he's done is gone on facebook market and found like a jcr skid for the rear gas tank that saved a huge amount of money but he's like buying quality parts because he's looking for quality and he's saving and has his money ready to pull the trigger on quality parts versus He's cruising eBay and Amazon every night and just saying, oh, if I only had $400 more or all I've got is $300 now, but the thing I want is $1,000, let me just go ahead and buy the $300 version or buy, you know, three $100 accessories now. Um, and it's fun to get those packages from Brown Santa, but, you know, ultimately 
it's I think it's the better game if you plan on keeping your vehicle for a long time uh, and you want to be happy I think it's the best bet um, just had a guy in here the other day and and he was talking to me about well I just want to do this I'm just want to do that you know everything was uh, rough country and he was like all my friends tell me not to go with the set of fenders because they've had issues with them but I think I'm gonna do it anyways I don't think it'd be a big deal and I, I kind of pointed out some areas where I, I thought his friends might be right um, I'm not sure if he's going to take my advice and their advice or whatever, but um, it's just one of the things you either learn the hard way or you learn by listening, and I'm a learn it the hard way kind of guy myself, so I understand how things can go that route. Let me get to um, a quick point and a quick wrap-up on the whole thing. I've always said, and still always my opinion, that you should build a Jeep or an off-road vehicle with what tire size that you think is optimal for the kind of driving the vehicle is going to do in mind and start there. So if you drive it 80% of the time on the road or 90% of the time on the road or it's only going to be for a hunt camper or trail riding or whatever, that should determine what size tire you're going to run. So that from that point, take the size tire you want to run and pick the, the correct suspension for those tires to clear your fenders and or look at the right fenders to clear those tires and then make sure your drivetrain, your motor, your transmission, your axles can handle that said tire and make sure you have the right gear ratio for that and uh, then start worrying about uh, bumpers and winches and armor and accessories and all that stuff. Because if you blow an axle on a trail, it doesn't matter how accessorized you are. If you're ripping fenders off the first time you go off-road because you have the wrong size suspension or the wrong kind of suspension, or if your whole suspension is with brackets and some springs and pucks, it might not ride great on the road. So take your time, find the right size tire for you. I would always suggest buying a quality tire because you're most likely going to have to drive this at least to the trail. And um, and buying a quality suspension, and then from there, move on throughout the build. But plan it out, write it down on a piece of paper, look at the prices. I would say always pick a good, better, best, and, um, and and try to put your money into the right places. If you have any questions on what I think are quality parts, even if it's cheap stuff, and you're like, hey, you think this is any good? You can always DM us on social media. Uh, look us up. Jeep and Bubba, Black Bear, Black Bear Off-Road Trail Team, or shoot us an email at info at Black Bear Off-Road. We'd be glad to help you. If you're looking for a cheap snack that also increases your flow, your regularity in life, uh, prunes are a great option. Don't forget to eat them. This podcast was brought to you by Black Bear Off-Road. Hey, it's about to be Black Friday. Don't forget us over at blackbearoffroad.com. Hope there's an adventure planned for your future, and as always, we'll be seeing you.